You're listening to Southside Baptist Church Podcast with our pastor, Dr. Jeff Parker. For more audio content, please refer to our website at ssbaptistchurch.com. Amen. You can be seated. I invite you to take your Bibles and turn to the Gospel of Luke. Luke chapter 11. You know, sometimes you, um, th- this week, Jeffrey and I had an opportunity to fellowship together, and, and um, afterwards, we spent about three hours or better together. I texted him and told him, I said, Son, I have never been more proud of you than I am right now. Uh, he did something and, and uh, said some things and, and took a stand that it really... Uh, really, really touched my heart. But Jeffrey is, is, is dealing with a lot of decisions right now. And right now has a lot of pressure on him at this moment. And I normally don't do this, but I'm going to ask you to do it. Some of the young people here especially, uh, you won't hear me say this very often, but take your phone and uh, if you would, just text him, tell him you love him, tell him you pray, tell him we are praying for him right now. And uh, if you don't have his number, it's 601 601- no, I better not do that. <laughs> not on the internet. But uh, for those that have his number, if you'll do that, I'd appreciate it. And uh, just let him know we're praying for him. I, th- I think it would be important for him to hear it. You know, uh, Luke, um, Luke is writing to his friend Theophilus. This is a man that is converted to Christianity. This is a man that's trying to grow in his faith. And so Luke tells Theophilus, he says, Theophilus, I'm going to, and I have been researching and getting this gospel ready because I want you to understand the life of Christ. The Apostle Paul is in prison probably. While he is in prison, Luke has the freedom and the time to begin to invest in developing the Gospel of Luke inspired by the Holy Spirit. Luke is is telling Theophilus and has been telling Theophilus back in chapter 9 that Jesus, his his demeanor, his, his, uh, his, 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 his sermons, everything began to kind of shift because now he is looking to Calvary. He's looking to the cross. And in Luke chapter 9, he begins to say to those people that are around him, he kind of filters through the crowd and he says, listen, he said, if you're going to follow me, he said, you're going to have to deny yourself. You're going to have to take up your own cross and you're going to have to follow me and and it's not going to be easy. And we come to chapter 11 where the disciples, and I think they begin to feel the weight of it. They said, Lord, they said, Lord, teach us to pray as John taught his disciples to pray. Because undoubtedly at this point, in this juncture, in this ministry, in this mission, we need a lot of prayer. And we don't know how to pray. So help us to pray. And so Luke begins to tell Theophilus how Jesus walked them through a prayer that would stick deep into their hearts for the rest of their lives. But now we come to Luke chapter 11, verse 14. And there begins to be a lot of accusations, a lot of slander. People begin to take shots at him. And they're going to take shots at you. 
Let me say this. If you're standing up for your faith and you are standing up for the cause of Christ and you're sharing the gospel and you're our witness. You know, we talked last week about the Great Commission, how God has called you and I. We, Watchman Nee said this. You remember last week? Watchman Nee said, where I am, that's the kingdom of God. And I want you to know where you are, where you stand, where you live, where you work, where you go to school, right there, that's the kingdom of God. When you walk into a room, you walk into a restaurant, you walk into a business, you're making a sale, no matter what you're doing, at that moment you're saying to yourself, the kingdom of God is right here. Okay? And I'm in the process of expanding God's territory. And the way I do that is by way of the Great Commission. So in Luke chapter 11, verse 14, Jesus was driving out a demon that was mute. He's taking enemy territory here. When the demon left the man who had been mute, and the crowd was amazed, but some of them said, By Beelzebub, the prince of demons, he is driving out demons and others tested by asking for a sign from heaven. Now we're going to deal with both of those. Now look at verse 17. Jesus knew their thoughts and said to them, any kingdom divided against itself will be ruined and a house divided against itself will fall. If Satan is divided against himself, how can his kingdom stand? I say this because you claim that I drive out demons by Beelzebub. Now, if I drive out demons by Beelzebub, by whom do your followers, who also were practicing exorcism, by whom do your followers drive them out, so then they will be your judges. But if I drive out demons by the finger, finger of God, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. Let me read to you a quote by R. Ken Hughes. R. Ken Hughes said this, he said, No kingdom, no marriage, no house, no army, no business, no team, no government, no nation, no movement can survive an internal war. Jesus here begins to talk to his disciples and even to the crowd about kingdom principles. You see, you and I are involved in a great spiritual war. We are in enemy territory. This week, Friday, we had somebody break into the church. They came in, they undoubtedly came through a window, came and went around, went through the vent of my office, came through my office, pilfered around in the offices, went to Reggie's office, pilfered around there. Uh, tried to steal something, couldn't get it. Uh, the police didn't respond to the to the alarm, or they came, but they didn't necessarily search it out good. And so the person later on came back, and what they were trying to get, they ultimately got. We live in enemy territory. There is a great spiritual battle, and the kingdom of darkness is waged against the kingdom of light. And so it shouldn't surprise us. But Jesus here is giving kingdom principles, and the first principle is this, the danger of division. What he says is simply this. He says, the king, he says to these people who have made this statement, Jesus, you're doing this by the power of Beelzebub, by Satan. You've got the, you've got the power of Satan, and that's what's giving you the ability to cast out these demons. You know what Jesus said? You're not making any sense at all. 
Because he speaks here about the danger of division. He says the kingdom of darkness is organized and administrated and led very, very well. Our enemy, what Jesus is saying to you and I and to that crowd back then is our enemy, the devil, is far better a strategist than that. He would never do that. He is not divided, he's unified. He knows exactly what his mission is and what his purpose is about. And he's brought his troops together and they're not fighting amongst themselves. They know exactly what needs to be done. Listen, if you don't think your enemy, the devil, is effective in this, I want to remind you of something. He led a rebellion in heaven and secured one-third of the angelic army to wage a battle against the sovereign, omnipotent, omniscient God. He is very good at leading people to rebel against God and to unite and make a formable force. So here's the danger of division. And I want to say to every marriage, what the enemy wants to do, he wants to divide and conquer. He'll work everything he can in a marriage, in a home, in a church. He wants disunity everywhere, but he doesn't want it in his army. And Jesus said he won't have it in his army. Satan would never be so careless. He understands, one writer said, he understands order, rank, territory, and conquest. Mom and dad, let me say this. You and I are ill-equipped to raise our children if we're not in touch with the sovereign God. We can't do it. You have, mom and dad, let me understand. Have you understood what's happening in this nation today and in our culture and our society? It is going to be more and more difficult to raise children today to be godly and to follow Christ. The line has been drawn. And there is a great battle raging. Sheila and I were in a public place this past week and just stopped for, to, to rest and to fellowship for a moment. A couple of the people who worked there came and stood at the end of the table. One woman began to just pour out her heart, began to talk about trying to raise her her daughter and began to talk about some of the difficulty that she was going through. And her heart was just breaking. And right there in public, she began to just to have tears welling up in her eyes right there in a public place and began to pour out and just did so for probably about an hour. Sheila and I were thinking to ourselves, wow, people are hurting And in essence, what she was saying, it is becoming more and more difficult for me to raise teenagers in this kind of environment. But I want you to understand, mom and dad, grandparent, our enemy, the devil, is very united in what he's about. And so there is the danger of division, but the division comes in our marriage, in our homes, in our churches, in our relationships. Not only that, he talks about understanding dominion. I want you to look at verse 20. Jesus said, but but if I drive out demons by the finger of God, then the kingdom of God has come to you. Now look at verse 21. When a strong man, fully armed, guards his own house, his possessions are safe. But when someone stronger attacks and overpowers him, he takes away the armor in which the man trusted, and he divides up the spoils. I remember one time when Mark Bowman, and you've heard me tell this story, Mark Bowman and his two daughters were living over here in this house. Mark Bowman is a big man. And we had a homeless man who broke into that house, 
had a, had a gun, came in, was doing whatever he was doing, and he came in and he didn't realize that Mark's youngest daughter was there. She screamed or hollered, looked at him and said, what are you doing here? And he took off and left. Later on when we shared that news with Mark, I'll never forget this, the old white Dodge van out there. Here this massive man is. We said, Mark, we said, this is what's happened. And, and his daughter was upset. That big powerful man turned and put a fist. I thought he was going to put it through the Dodge van. He left a den in the van. He said, where is he? Where is he? Before long, JPD was here. Folks, I want you to know something. I was afraid for JPD. Because Mark looked at about three of those officers, and you know how they kind of... Mark said, just get away from me. And I told him, I said, you need to get away from him. Mark caught that homeless man, one of them, down here behind the building. And I'll never forget that. Mark came up to him, and this guy was starting to move away from him. Mark came up to him. When Mark walked up to him, he literally grabbed him, and he picked him up, and he threw him. And the man looked like a rag doll, just tossed several feet. And the next thing I was doing was say, Mark, you need to calm down a little bit, because, listen, because a strong man's house had been invaded. Years ago in Mozambique, we had missionaries... Three, portrait, three Mozambique soldiers broke into a home of one of our missionaries one night. One of them took the, uh, radio, the, the cord of the radio and tied up the man, the, the missionary. And those three soldiers raped his wife repeatedly while his children were sleeping. They had to bind that man in order to do what they did to his wife and his children. My friend, what Jesus is saying here, he's talking about that you and I understand that our enemy, the devil, is very united and we need to understand dominion. One writer said this. He said, we have an enemy, he's highly organized, he's ruthless, and he fears only one person. Listen to this. Stay with me here. He fears only one person. Let's say his name together. Jesus. Boy, you better say it better than that. He only fears one person and His name is Jesus. Jesus. Trent Butler made this statement. He said, A muscular, powerful man may use the latest weapons and technology to guard his house, ensuring the safety of all of his possessions. The strong person always has a fear, though, that someone stronger will come in and take away what he owns. Thus, Satan has set up a strong dynasty on earth with no one able to threaten him. In Jesus, God has shown himself to be stronger than Satan. He has taken away all his possessions and the power of Satan and the victory is sure. This is the reason the Bible calls us redeemed. Redeemed possessions. Sheila, a few weeks ago, I told you, she was laying in the bed at night, and, and I was asleep, and the next thing, I, I, I feel the bed just slightly moving. And I, and I look over there, and Sheila's eyes are closed, and she's... <laughs> I 
I just, I, I sat up and looked at her for a minute. And, and, I, and I woke her up, I said, Sheila, I said, what are you dreaming? What are you doing? She, she woke up and said, what? She said, what? I said, what are you doing? She said, well, I dreamed I was in this massive choir and we were singing Onward Christian Soldiers. You see, this is what Christ is talking about here. Our commander-in-chief, Jesus Christ, is the only one who has the capacity and the power and the ability to bind the strong man and to keep him out of your home, out of your marriage, out of your parenting, out of your life. This is the... This is understanding dominion. I read a book this week. Jeffrey had given me a book, began to read it on Wednesday. Finally, it troubled me so deeply because it was talking about how different the Western church is from Jesus Christ. The church doesn't look like Christ. It so troubled me that I got up, I walked in there, I looked at Heather, I said, where's Reggie? She said, well, he's kind of... He was kind of antsy or something. He said he just had to get up and move around. I said, wow. So I walked outside. I thought Reggie was outside. Couldn't find him. Couldn't find him. Finally, I called him and he said, man, I ran to get my nieces. Be back in a moment. He come pulled back, he pulled back up into the, into the parking lot. I said, come on, let's go. And I began to tell him what I was reading in this book. And I said, Reggie, it so troubled me. It so made me want to get out and do something and get involved in the kingdom's work because this city is held in bondage to the enemy. There is a territorial battle going on in this city and the enemy is wreaking havoc. And I said to Reggie, I said, let's get in on it. Let's let's get in on this. There is a prayer here And it's simply that Satan, you cannot bind Jesus Christ. You did it one time when he went to Calvary, but it will never happen again. One man looked at me yesterday. We got into a big discussion in Borders. Matt and I went up to Borders. Before long, another man came, another man came, another man came. And before long, we were having one of those discussions. And it's one of those that kind of, you know, everybody's listening in on. And finally, one man made this statement. He said, you know... He said, oh, have we learned anything new? Is there any kind of... Because we were talking about the church and how the church doesn't look like Jesus. And we were going at it. And finally this man said, you know, is there anything new? Have we discovered anything new? You got anything new to say? I looked at him and I said, yes. Christ in me and Christ in you, the hope of glory. You see, there's dominion here. There's division. And then Jesus goes on, He talks about a line of what I call a line of demarcation. Look at verse 23. Jesus said, Who is not with me is against me. He who does not gather with me is scattering. Jesus, what Jesus does is He puts a boundary line there. He, 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 makes a, he draws a line in the sand. One writer said, the presence of God overthrowing the power of Satan does not call for an impartial audience enjoying the battle. Every one of us have been called to take sides. 
We must join one or the other. We've either joined Christ or we've joined the enemy. If you haven't got on the side of Jesus Christ today, then my friend, you're working for the enemy. There's an old hymn that used to, we used to sing called, it, it was, uh, the, the title of it was a, was, a, was a question. Who is on the Lord's side? Who will serve the king? Oswald Chambers made this statement. He said, neutrality in religion is always cowardice. Have you ever been in a situation where you were being slandered and nobody spoke up on your behalf? Anybody ever been there? You ever been in a situation where somebody was chewing you up or people were running you down or somebody was attacking your character and your integrity and everything about you and nobody stood to your defense? It is a tragic, sad feeling. Imagine how Jesus feels every day as you and I live our lives out in this world. There's a line of demarcation. Jesus draws a line in the sand and He tells you and I we have to choose sides. You remember that? Choose sides. Then finally, there's what I call the live dry. Jesus talks about the danger of division. He talks about understanding dominion. He talks about the line of demarcation. But I call it the live dry. And I want you to see this, verse 23. He who is not with me is against me. He who does not gather with me scatters. Let me ask you something. If you and I, let's think about this for a minute. If you and I are not aggressively, actively sharing our faith, we are not involved in spreading the kingdom, advancing the kingdom. If we're not involved in gathering, then what did Jesus say about us? What are we really doing? We're scattering. You see, as Oswald Chamberlain, there can be no neutrality. I'm either going to get up tomorrow morning and I'm either going to work for the kingdom of God or I'm going to work for the kingdom of darkness. You mean to tell me that if I'm not out sharing my faith, if I'm not involved in the kingdom's work for, for, for good, you mean to tell me, what if I remain silent? Well, evil prospers because good men do nothing. But here is what I call the lie of dry. Look at verse 24. When an evil spirit comes out of a man, it goes through arid places seeking rest. It doesn't find it. Then it says, I will return to the house I left. When it arrives, it finds the house swept clean and put in order. Then it goes out, it takes seven other spirits, more wicked than itself. They go in, they live there, and the final condition of that man is worse than it was in the first. A lot of people will say, you know, I just want to empty myself. I just want to, I just want to be clean. I want to be... Pure, I want to be clean. All that's good, but listen, a dry, empty, void, desolate vessel without something in it is something for the enemy. One writer said this, he said, Jesus is saying to his hearers that self-reformation, when we ran the home over here, all we did was simply circulate most of all, for the most part, men coming in there, going out, coming in, going out, coming in, going out, coming in, going out. Now let me tell you why. Because it's exactly what this man is saying here. Jesus is saying to his hearers that self-reformation without regeneration and the indwelling of God the Holy Spirit is fatal. Temporary moral reformation is inadequate. Anyone who purges evil but puts nothing in its place is in grave moral danger. What he's saying here is there is the danger of a belief system that is built on the the negatives. 
It's defined on what I don't do and what I'm against. Parents, listen. You can't spend your life teaching your children what you shouldn't do. If you spend your life talking about negatives... Now listen, honey, you don't do that. Don't hang around with those people over there. Don't say that. That's a bad word. Don't say that. Don't do that. Don't put that down. Don't hit your brother. Don't hit your sister. Don't do this. Don't do that. Stop! 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 And, 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 and all of the spiritual guidance and teaching is nothing but negative and stop and don't. My friend, they will rebel against that. If you don't believe it in America today, Josh McDowell said up to 95, 97% of graduating high school seniors are throwing the shackles off of this church and this institution we call religion and they're saying, I want to be free of it. Why? Because it does not teach what the Scripture teaches. About being filled with the Holy Spirit, being under the control of the Holy Spirit, entering into a personal, intimate relationship with a loving God through Jesus Christ, and, and having that kind of Spirit so living in you and through you that you don't have to go around policing and watching and training and equipping. My friend, they've got something inside of them that's changed. I'm not saying that you don't give those, that guidance, but if you're still giving that guidance as they get older and older and older and it's, just as, and it's all negative and it's all don'ts and don't do this and don't do that and stop doing this, stop doing that, then before long all you sound like is a policeman. And if you're talking about a relationship with a loving God, that doesn't make any sense to them and they throw it away. I don't want that. This is the critical key, the lie, what I call the lie of dry. A vacuum of pores has to be filled with something. I know I need to close, but listen, I'll never forget one time, boy, sitting on a, sitting on a plane and leaving, leaving Jackson, or leaving Atlanta to, to Amsterdam and, and not happy about the flight and we had Sheila and four kids and tired, the plane looked like it was about, had a wing hanging on it. I mean, you know, just nothing right about this whole flight. Uneasy about it. Just absolutely, and literally so irritated with the IMB for putting us on such a contraption. On top of that, I walked down British Airway, had a beautiful brand new plane flying straight to London. That's where we were going. We weren't going to Amsterdam. We were going to London. Why are we going to Amsterdam to sit there and wait all day and then get a shuttle flight over to London to save the IMB a few dollars? I was irritated. Got on that plane, sat down and frustrated, and the kids back there somewhere in a plane, and God knows when Jeffrey and Ledge were back there, you just, oh, God, oh, dear Jesus, don't let them do something horrible. (laughs) Sheila and I sit down, hear this voice, it sounds like, and it sounded like the voice of God. I said, Sheila, listen to that. You hear that? She said, what? I said, listen, you hear that voice? Joyce, I'm going to, Joyce, I'm going to put our stuff up here and I'll, I'll be back going, going back there and sit down. I said, Sheila, who is that? I said, I've heard that voice. And all of a sudden, I looked and there was Dr. Adrian Rogers putting his luggage away. Went back there and sat right behind Ledge and Jeffrey. No, right in front of Ledge and Jeffrey. And I told you, I've told you, I said, man, I walked back there and I said, boys, if you kick his seat, I'll kill you. (laughs) 
That's Adrian and Joyce Rogers. He's a pastor of Bellevue Baptist Church. Please, please don't do something bad. Walk back there, help them get situated with their meal. Spoke to Dr. Rogers and his wife. He asked who we were. His son was a missionary in Spain. We talked for a moment. He said, look, when things settle down, he said, why don't you and I, we'll sit and talk for a while. So go back here. We went back there. Stewardess fixed us a cup of coffee, and for three and a half hours, he and I stood at the door near the stewardess in that, in that bulkhead and that section there, right there by the door, and talked for three and a half hours. We laughed, we cut up, we joked, we drank a pot of coffee. We probably both sound like we were about half drunk. People would get mad, they cut the lights down the plane, people would get mad and say, shh. I want to look at them and say, this is Dr. Rogers, you know who this is. In fact, I, I wasn't even worried about dying anymore. I thought, man, we ain't going to die on this plane. Dr. Rogers is on this plane. <laughs> That's the way I felt. We sat in fellowship and talked. Such a godly, godly, gracious, humble, sweet man. I'll never forget what he said. He had just written a book. And we got to talking about that and talking about another book by Erwin Lutzer. And he said this, I'll never forget what he said. He said, Jeff, in this nation today, he said, people are so spiritually thirsty. He said, they are longing for something to fill them. And he said, the problem, and he said, what I'm afraid, when a man gets thirsty enough, he'll drink anything, and he'll drink it out of any container. He said, man, he will drink urine out of a garbage can if he gets thirsty enough. And he said, I'm afraid in America, the vacuum right now is going to be filled with God only knows what. Jesus was saying, you can't clean up your vessel You can't clean up your heart. You can't clean up your life. You you can make all the self-reformation. You can do all of this that you want. But if you don't fill it with the power of Jesus Christ and the power of His Holy Spirit, you are sitting on a powder keg. And the only thing that will fill it, Paul said in Ephesians, is the Holy Spirit. parent, if you're training your children don't do this, don't do that, stop this, stop that, can't go there can't hang around with those people my friend, if that's how you train and equip and you're counseling your parents then they will rebel, they'll rebel against it, but if you tell them if you begin to teach them an intimate personal relationship with Jesus Christ they see you not only praying at the table, they begin to see you, they slip by, they come into your room at night you're sitting there by your bed praying. Dad, they come, by, they come by the door of your bedroom and they see you on your knees praying. Mom, they walk in and see the coffee cup from that morning still sitting there with your reading glasses on that, on that table and, and the Word of God open. When they see those things, it impacts them. And you begin to talk to them about an intimate, personal, loving, driven relationship, passionate relationship with Jesus Christ. Once they grasp that and understand that, you'll never have to say, stop that, don't do this again. 
because they'll have the power of the Holy Spirit in them. They'll have a loving God that will be telling them in their heart, you can't do that. You can't say that. You can't live that way. You can't do that. And they'll find conviction and they'll walk with Christ because Christ is right here. Our Heavenly Father, we just pray right now, dear Lord, that the power of your Holy Spirit would wrap your arms around us and remind us that you love us. Father, we pray that even now, dear Lord, that you grip the hearts of men and women in this room. That, Lord, for some of them who are trying to make changes in their life, but they're doing it in their own power, their own strength. They're cleaning up that vessel, their body. They're cleaning up their minds. They're cleaning up their hearts. Father, but they're not putting anything in there. They're trying to raise children to live in obedience to the dictates and the commands of not only them, but of Scripture, but they're not talking about the power or the power of your Holy Spirit. And how, God, you desire a personal, intimate relationship. Father, may our children see our lives not as what we don't do and what we do. May they see our lives so passionately in love with you, Jesus, that they look at us and they say, Mom and Dad, I want what you have. I want to be able to pray and to talk to the Lord the way you do, Mom. Dad, would you teach me how you have such peace when, you, when, when you're struggling? Dad, Mom, would you, would you help me to understand what it means to have a personal relationship with Christ? Father, I pray, dear Lord, for those in this room that we would understand that if we clean up our children and we don't introduce them to Christ, that, dear Lord, the enemy will come with all of his might, all of his power. I want all of you to look this way, and I want you to stand. I want you to look this way, and I want you to stand. How many of you know Mark Bowman? Most of you know Mark. Mark's preached here several times. Is there anybody in this room even some of these big men. Is there anybody in, these room, in this room? Do, or do you know anybody that would break in on Mark Bowman if Mark was at home? No dope head on the streets of Jackson. No thief, no crook. No child molester. No rapist. Nobody would break in on Mark Bowman if Mark Bowman was at home. That man will be a fool. When you and I have Jesus Christ living into our lives, in our hearts and in our lives, listen, we have an enemy, the devil. Does he try? Does he want to break in? Yes, he does. You know what the devil? You know what the devil does when he comes knocking on our door? Guess who is answering it? Jesus Christ. He's, Jesus looks at him and says, "I'm sorry, there's no room for you in here." But I tell you what, you can give it your best shot. You can just go ahead and give it a try if you want. 
Jesus said, I'm looking for a good fight. You may say, well, that's not biblical. Look what Paul said. Paul said that the, he says that the spirit, there's a spiritual battle going on. One day we'll be delivered of that. But we still live in a fallen world. But man, I want you to know something. Thank God Christ lives here. And if he doesn't, you couldn't pay me to walk out of this church and not settle that right now. You can invite Christ to come in, live in your life, fill your heart, fill your life, give you a peace that passes all understanding. It won't matter judgment day. Hey, so what? May 21st, October 21st doesn't matter to me. I serve a sovereign God. He's in control. Not some 89-year-old man out in California making some kind of declaration. My life's not controlled by that. So if you're here and you don't know Christ, I want to invite you to come. And all God's people said, Amen. That's the end of our prayer. You come now. As our counselors are here, you come. You need to pray. Spend a moment of this altar.